there is a sense of gratitude that suffuses donors that I've talked to that is, again, somewhat inexplicable to me, but it is the good feeling you get from helping others. And maybe it's proportional to the degree of help that you give that this sense of gratitude has stayed with me for more than five years and I expect it to be with me the rest of my life. Welcome back. Today's guest is Ned Brooks from the National Kidney Donation Organization. I always aim to have a donor or a transplant expert featured in each episode, and Ned checks both of those boxes, which makes him our second Donor Diaries Double Dipper this season. Today we're doing a dive into one of my favorite transplant topics, which is kidney chains, and something called the Kidney Voucher Program. This episode speaks to the impact one person can make with a single kidney donation. Hi, Ned. Welcome. Lori, nice to talk with you. Can you tell me a little bit about your connection to the transplant world? Sure. I donated my kidney to a stranger to start something called a kidney chain back in September of 2015. Uh, My kidney went from New York to a young mother in Denver, and her father's kidney went to Hartford, where the last two transplants took place. I found the experience to be so rewarding that I wanted to stay involved. So I thought about how best to do it. And I concluded that no one could speak to a potential donor as well as somebody who has already donated themselves. So I started this organization, National Kidney Donation Organization. And we are a donor-centric foundation that helps educate and uh, helps counsel donor candidates going through the donation process to do so as effectively and with the most protections available. We've now got about 30 uh, people on our team across the country, and we're involved in a wide range of activities. I know the NKDO has their hands in a lot of projects and that you work very closely with the National Kidney Registry, which facilitates the most productive paired exchange system in the whole world. In my experience, your organization has the most effective process in place when it comes to shepherding a potential living donor through the donation process. I wouldn't feel great about promoting living donation if there wasn't an organization like yours to send prospective donors to. You and your living donor counselors are just doing an awesome job. Thank you. I recently got to read 75 non-directed donor stories for a project 
I'm working on. And there was a huge number of people like you who talked about their decision almost being driven from an economic standpoint. A lot of these people, including you, mentioned that the Freakonomics episode, Make Me a Match, featuring Al Roth, made an impact on your decision to donate. Al is a celebrated economist who won a Nobel Prize in 2012 for his work in matching markets, which he used to revolutionize kidney donation through kidney exchange. I know that podcast was a lightning strike for you. What was it that you and so many others heard in this podcast that motivated you to consider living kidney donation? Lori, I wish I could understand fully the psychology behind this, but it's something that we see over and over again when talking to non-directed donors. And that is a compulsion, a sense when you hear about this, that this is something I have to do. And for me, it was just that strong. The deciding factor for me clearly was the concept of leverage, that my one additional unnecessary kidney could save multiple lives. It hit me like a wave, and I said, this is something I absolutely have to do. I wish I could explain it better than that. You're right, though. It's a lightning strike that we hear about with a lot of donors. It is. For some, the decision comes more slowly, but there's definitely a group of people that once they understood the concept, they were hooked. And I think they look at it as a short-term commitment that yields unimaginable lifetime results for others, and they say, sign me up. There is a sense of gratitude that suffuses donors that I've talked to that is, again, somewhat inexplicable to me. But it is the good feeling you get from helping others. And maybe it's proportional to the degree of help that you give that this sense of gratitude has stayed with me for more than five years and expected to be with me the rest of my life. Mm, I love that. I know I share that gratitude with you, Ned. And it speaks to another phenomenon we see with donors, and that is that many donors will tell you that donating an organ positively impacted their life. I hear over and over from donors that if they could do it again, they would. It's just really beautiful how this act of kindness positively impacts the life of the giver and the receiver. Both the donor and the recipient seem to feel as if they've won in a lot of cases. There's just a major reward that comes from the opportunity to be a catalyst for something that saves lives. Can you tell me a little bit more about paired donation? You, you talked about being in, a, in an exchange. What exactly does that mean? If you're not a direct match for someone, you can uh, go into something called paired kidney exchange, which is a linked group of kidney donors and recipients, uh, it can be as small uh, as two pairs where you have pair A and pair B, the donor from pair A donates to the recipient and pair B and vice versa. That's paired kidney exchange. That can extend out uh, three, four, five, six pairs. The more pairs you put into that, the more complicated it gets to arrange and the greater the risk for uh, failure along the way for any one of a myriad of reasons. Uh, in the case of kidney chains that are uh, linear, not, not circular the way paired kidney exchange is, for chains that are started by a non-directed donor and ended 
uh, by somebody off the wait list. Those tend to be in the sort of three to five person range because over experience, the National Kidney Registry, which is an organization with whom we work very closely, has learned that that's kind of the sweet spot to get the job done and minimize the number of breaks. And what's the importance of a non-directed donor such as yourself in one of these chains? A non-directed donor allows for someone at the end of the chain, because obviously you have to have the same number of donors and recipients, allows for somebody at the end of the chain to come off uh, a waiting list, uh, somebody who might be highly sensitized and otherwise very difficult to match. By going through the National Kidney Registry, they're able to pool that individual against their donor base in over 100 transplant centers across the country and thereby uh, find uh, a match for, for this person that's not only the best possible match, but in some cases, the only way this person's ever going to get matched. What if I go into the system and I have somebody who I want to donate to, I'm a match for them, but there's probably a better match out there, somebody who's, who's got more markers matched to mine. How, how does that work? You're, you're talking about something that is now revolutionizing transplant. It's a very, very important concept. It started a few years ago. I think UCLA had the first what they call voucher donor, where a uh, grandfather with a, a young grandchild, I think maybe 10 years old, wanted to donate a kidney to the grandchild, but that uh, young man was not going to lose his kidney function until he was 17 or 18, and the grandfather couldn't wait that long. So he donated and gave his uh, grandson a voucher against the time when his grandson would need a kidney. That was the concept that the National Kidney Registry has taken and really uh, evolved to a point now where, as I say, it's revolutionizing transplant. The, the advantages of a, of, a, of a voucher donation are, are multiple. If you have a recipient and you want to donate to that recipient, you're coupled. You're coupled in space and you're coupled in time. By donating to start a chain in the same way that a non-directed donor does, you are decoupling space and time with your recipient. You're donating now. You're starting a chain. You're taking multiple people off the list. And upon your donation, your recipient activates the voucher, and then they become the last person in a subsequent chain. And in our experience, every chain that we've been in, every voucher donation we've been part of, the voucher recipient has gotten a transplant within 12 weeks. There's no guarantee of that. Some people are highly sensitized. It might take much longer, but that's been our experience. 12 weeks. Okay, so in previous episodes, we talked about how the wait list for a deceased donor kidney is more or less five to seven years, depending on where you live, and that every day 13 people die waiting for a transplant they never receive. So instead of waiting five to seven years, all a kidney patient really needs to do is find somebody who is willing and able to donate, and they likely get a kidney in just 12 weeks. And they don't even need to worry if that willing and able person is a match. That's a game changer. The advantage here for the, for the donor in particular 
is that the donor donates on a schedule that suits that person. Think of a teacher who has to donate uh, during vacation or people with spe- specific vacation windows, military people on leave, etc. You can imagine all the different ways in which it would be convenient for a donor to be able to uh, choose the time of the operation. For the recipient, the quality of the match is superior because the recipient is matched, as I say, against a wide uh, number of potential donors to get the best possible match. The wait time for the recipient without a voucher, particularly one who is highly sensitized, can be extensive because transplant centers typically only test one one donor at a time. So if you're highly sensitized and you've got five potential donors, it could take a long time to find the donor who is matched to you and is available for you. By going the voucher route, the recipient is able to, as I say, be matched against a wide number of people. So it's almost a specialized insurance plan then. If I know there's someone in my family who's going to need a kidney and I'm able to donate this summer, but I know I wouldn't possibly be able to donate in a few years, I can do that now. And that ensures that when my loved one needs a kidney, it's going to be available to them probably in 12 weeks or less. That is absolutely correct. And there are some other advantages to being uh, about your donor. You don't have to be physically in the same location as your recipient. Uh, remote donation has now become the standard through the, with the major transplant centers across the country. So that, that idea of, of having to be in the same place or the same center is no longer an issue. There are two voucher programs that the National Kidney Registry has right now. One is that standard voucher program I just discussed. And the second one is really specific to a type of disincentive for donation that comes up quite, quite often. And basically, all these different programs that the National Kidney Registry runs are designed to remove disincentives, to make it easier for people to become donors. And the disincentive for some people, in my case, it was um, quite vocal. My daughter, when I told him about my plans for donation, uh, piped up, what about me? I mean, what if I ever need a kidney? Uh, so, and, so, so, and so how does that, this solve that problem for your daughter? Explain that. So with a family voucher, someone can donate as a non-directed donor, the same way I did, and they can assign five vouchers to family members uh, in some cases, close friends, but extended family members, such that if any one of those people in the future needs a kidney, it's only one kidney available, needs a kidney, uh, they're prioritized uh, to go to the head of the line for a living kidney. And that is really a better solution than if I were to be the donor for my daughter, because we don't know if we would have been a match or not. Wow, that's an incredible way to solve the problem of people not wanting to donate because they're concerned that somebody closer to them might need a kidney in the future. How often does that actually happen, though, where, you know, you name your five people and actually one of them does end up needing a kidney? Exceedingly rare. The program's been around for just a few years now, and this is 
an insurance policy against a very unlikely event. So I'm not aware of, of how many family vouchers have been cashed in at this point. I'm not sure that any have. It's still an amazing perk, though. I love it. It is. It is. It, it remo- as I say, it removes disincentives, and that's it what does. this program is all about. You've mentioned disincentives a few times. I know that when when somebody donates, the recipient's insurance pays for the donor's workup pre-surgery, pays for the surgery, pays for everything afterwards. So what type of things do donors need to get support for? Shouldn't this be free to the donor? The act of donation, the medical expenses related directly to donation are covered by the recipient's health insurance. There are a couple of programs. NALDAC, the National Living Donor Act, provides reimbursement for expenses associated with going to the hospital, transportation, out-of-pocket expenses related to the transplant. The National Kidney Registry has a similar program. But the National Kidney Registry has a suite of protections that are not found anywhere else. And these include a short-term disability uh, insurance policy, a short-term life insurance policy, lost wage reimbursement, up to $1,500 a week, coverage for uncovered medical expenses. These transplant centers will typically cover the donor for any transplant-related complications for a period of time, the uh, longest of which is probably two years. If you've donated and something happens to you three, four, or five years out that is related back to your your transplant donation, uh, the National Kidney Registry will cover those expenses where the transplant center will not because their deal with their insurance companies has expired. There are uh, some other provisions that are very important in the event that the donor does need uh, a kidney sometime in the far future. That donor is prioritized for not just a kidney from a cadaver, the donor is prioritized for a living kidney transplant. There are a couple of others that are on the NKR website, very much worthwhile reviewing because these are a suite of protections that no other transplant operation offers. So this is called Donor Shield, right? Correct, Donor Shield. Okay. So if you're thinking about donating, understanding what your benefits through Donor Shield are is very important. And if if the hospital where you're donating doesn't offer those types of benefits, how can you get those benefits? There are a couple of ways. Um, one possible way is to stamp your feet and make a fuss and ask them. And tell the hospital that if they don't get donor shield for you in particular, that you're going to go elsewhere. Then the NCAR will sell the donor shield suite of protections on a case by case basis to a transplant center. However, in all likelihood, uh, your best bet is to transfer to one of the 100 transplant centers that are affiliated with the National Kidney Registry. So, Ned, I know the NKDO works very closely with the NKR. If somebody approaches the NKR about becoming a living donor, how does your team play into the learning process for a potential donor? Our team of of counselors has, in the last three months, started a program with the NKR where uh, if somebody checks the box uh, when they do the intake at the NKR and says, I want to speak to a living donor, Uh, That individual gets referred to our team 
and we make contact with them, tell them about our experience with the process, what they can expect. And we do basically handholding throughout the donation process with them. We believe that is extremely important to increase conversion rates. And to give you an example of of what that means, the NKR had about a 1.8% conversion rate in 2020. In other words, for every uh, 100 people who came in, they only uh, had 1.8 of them uh, become kidney donors. If we can increase that to just 5%, most of these people are going to be voucher donors. And as a voucher donor, you start a chain. And so because you're starting a chain, you're taking multiple people off the wait list. It's a little complicated, but a, a, a voucher donor who's taking an average of four people off the wait list, if we can increase that uh, conversion rate up to 5%, uh, we believe we can take an additional 6,800 people off the waiting list because it's multiplied by four times. A lot of numbers there. I'm sorry if it's confusing, uh, but the, the, the sort of the take home on that one is that a voucher donor does two things. He not only gets his recipient the best possible match, he also takes multiple people off the wait list. Let's do a little back of the napkin math on that because this is really interesting data. So right now, essentially, one out of 100 people who call the NKR interested in becoming a donor actually end up donating. 99 out of 100 are ruled out or self-eliminated. Your team will up that conversion rate, so 5 out of 100 will donate. So if we have 100,000 people right now waiting for a kidney in the United States, we just need 50,000 people to step forward to donate, and that would put an end to the wait list. So if you picture a big football stadium, they hold 100,000 people. So we're talking about half a football stadium of donors to completely solve the problem. I know that this is oversimplified, but there's 328 million people living in the U.S. We only need 0.015% of Americans to get on board with this idea of living donation to totally eradicate the wait list. Do you think we can do that? Yes, and I think we can we can do that, Laurie. Between what you're doing, between what I're doing, uh, what, what should be what we're doing, and what others uh, in the field are doing, I th- I think we're making progress. But we're starting, from, as you say, from a very low base. Yeah, that's really exciting. If somebody's interested in being a living donor, what would their first step be? I would suggest that they type in National Kidney Registry or NKR. In their, uh, in their search bar and go to the National Kidney Registry. Uh, there's an awful lot of information on that site. And uh, there's uh, many spots for the intake. They start the intake process. It's a short series of uh, questions designed to uh, rule out the people who are obviously not candidates. But once they do that, they'll receive a script back from the NKR to take to their local Quest lab and uh, the quest will take a couple of vials of blood. Uh, they'll send the results to the NKR. The NKR will contact the individual and say, which center do you want to donate at? And then they'll send the results to that center, and the center will contact the individual. Now, that's usually works pretty straightforward, but that's a lot of different pieces of contact, pieces of information that have to flow back and forth. 
And that's part of what we do. Uh, when somebody uh, on that intake form says, I want to speak to a living donor or a counselor, we will uh, help that person. And if things get sticky along the way, and they do get sticky from time to time, somebody will fail to make a return phone call, somebody will miss an email. We're there to help pick up the pace and get things back on track. Hmm. Amazing. Any parting thoughts today, Ned? Well, I would suggest that nkdo.org, which is our website, uh, is also an interesting place for a potential donor to go. Um, I did a, uh, a TED Talk some years ago, and I'm happy to say that I've been contacted by any number of people who have told me that they had the same kind of reaction to my TED Talk that I did to Al Ross' Freakonomics uh, Talk. So. That's been very gratifying. All I would say is that living donors are, by and large, a very happy band of warriors. And uh, if you want to join us, uh, we'd be happy to talk to you about it. It's a pretty great club. It is a great club. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed our interview today. Thank you, Laura. You're doing great work. Keep it up. I want to play one last clip. Ned's donation story was featured on episode 237 of Freakonomics called Ask Not What Your Podcast Can Do For You. It was about Freakonomics listeners whose lives were impacted as a result of listening to Freakonomics. Ned talked about how listening to the Al Roth episode, Make Me a Match, inspired him to donate his kidney. Stephen Dubner organized an emotional surprise for Ned live on air. We pick up with Ned being asked about whether or not he has had the opportunity to meet his kidney recipient. Take a listen. We've exchanged emails and I've gotten Christmas cards from her family and so forth. So you haven't met with her or spoken with her by phone? I have not met or spoken with her, no. Okay, so here's the story. I believe that if technology has served us well, that she's on the other line right now. Danielle from Centennial, Colorado. Oh, my God. I've not spoken to her yet. Oh, this would be great. Um, Danielle, can you hear us? This is Stephen Dubner. Hi, I can hear you guys. It's Ned. Hi, Ned. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing great. <sighs> what a beautiful moment. Check out DonorDiaries.com for links to both of the Freakonomics episodes referenced in today's podcast, as well as a link to Ned's inspiring TED Talk. Is that called a Ned Talk? To learn more about Ned's organization, visit NKDO at NKDO.org. To learn more about the voucher program and the donor shield program, visit the National Kidney Registry at kidneyregistry.org. Thanks for listening to Donor Diaries. I'm your host, Lori Lee. Donor Diaries is produced by the Lee Brothers, Rob and Jeff, with Maitre River Productions. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please like and subscribe so as we drop episodes, you will know. Thanks for listening. 